0: we are coming to the very end of Paul's letter to the church that he called His Crown and Joy, the church in that little Roman colony called Philippi. And one of the purposes for Paul's letter was to thank them for their partnership with him in the gospel. And throughout the letter, he's mentioned several ways that they've partnered with him. They've partnered with him in praying for him, they have partnered with him by working side by side with him to proclaim the gospel and to plant this church. Uh, they've partnered with him by particip- participating with him in the pursuit of Jesus, uh, by imitating those who long to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, uh, to share in his sufferings, to become like him in his death, and one day to be raised again. So, There's all kinds of ways that they have been in partnership with Paul, and he closes the letter by commending them for partnering with him by meeting his material needs with gifts that they sent through Epaphroditus. And so, as we briefly look at this passage this morning, and I'm going to try to keep it brief, notice that Paul says very little about the gift itself. He doesn't say how much it is. We don't know much about the gift at all, but he says a whole lot about the givers. So, listen to the word of the Lord in Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to 23. Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household, the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. And Lord, we ask that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be with our spirits even now as we received received the gift of your word uh, preserved for us in this letter from Paul, uh, this letter to the Philippians, but this letter to us. And as we come to its conclusion today, God, I pray that by your spirit you would help us to know your heart better, um, to know what it looks like to have that heart. So we ask that you would, I ask that you would make the spirit of this church, the giving, um, partnering with each other in the gospel, praying and participating in knowing jesus and participating side by side in the gospel make that heart our heart even more than it already is more and more we ask in jesus name amen it's the thought that counts right we hear that a lot especially around seasons of giving um the husband comes home, gives his wife a gift. Here you go, honey. Um, here's your anniversary gift. What? You, you, you don't like this? You don't like the gift that I just stopped by CVS to grab on my way up the mountain on my way home from work because I just now remembered that it was our anniversary? What? It's the thought that counts. <laughs> Ironically, we, we like to say it's the thought that counts Precisely at the time when we have not put a lot of thought into the gift, we use it to excuse ourselves. But the uh, the Apostle Paul will show us that when it comes to giving to support the work of the gospel, it really is the thought that counts. It's the heart that counts. So here in Philippians 4, Paul's focus is not on the transaction of giving and receiving as much as it's on the relationship between the giver and the receiver paul is going to give us a glimpse of the heart behind the gifts that the philippians have sent him and he uses three word pictures to describe the heart of the philippians and their giving Uh, i'm just going to focus a little bit on these uh, in the short time we have together today three word pictures fruit investment and sacrifice, a sacrificial offering. He's borrowing uh, from the agricultural world this idea of fruit. He says, it's not that I seek the gift. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And then he borrows the, the idea of investing from the banking world, and he, he says, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, or, or another way to say that, the profit that accrues to your account. And then he borrows from the religious world when he talks about the gifts being a sacrificial offering. He says, the gifts you sent were a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And there's something true about each of those word pictures that Paul uses to say about giving to support the work of the gospel ministry, about that relationship that we that partnership that we have with someone to whom we are giving so that they can continue in the gospel ministry. Each of these word pictures involves loss. When you plant, you lose seed. When you invest, you lose a little of your money. When you give an offering, put it on the altar, you lose part of your flock. Each of these involves emptying. When I plant, I empty my supply of seed. When I invest, I empty my wallet. When I give an offering, I empty my sheep pen. Each of these involves a kind of giving up or giving over or dying, if you will. The seed dies, the money is given up or given over, the sacrifice dies. And yet, each of these yields something good. The seed bears fruit. The investment bears interest. The sacrifice bears witness to the one I worship. And each of these results in some kind of gain or profit. Fruit for myself and for others. Profit for myself and others. God gains glory from what I give. What Paul is showing us in this is this is the heart of Jesus. He was full, but emptied himself, gave himself up, spent himself, offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And then he bore the fruit or bore the interest or yielded the gain of both saving us and giving glory to the Father. Because of Jesus' own obedience to death, even death on our cross, as Paul said in chapter 2, God bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That name, Jesus, it, it's, the Hebrew version would be Joshua. It means Yahweh saves. Yahweh is salvation. It's the name that the, Mary, that the angel gave Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. He said, Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew says, all this take, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So in his incarnation, Jesus sowed himself like a seed. He invested himself by spending himself for us. He offered himself as a fragrant sacrifice. And then he bore the fruit and interest of saving God's people while bearing witness to the glory of God, his father. That's what Paul said in chapter 2. And so the Philippians' giving is Jesus-shaped giving, their heart looks like his heart, and that's why they gave. Look at how it's shaped like Jesus. In verse 14, Paul said, it was kind of you to share my trouble. That word kind literally means it was good. It was good of you. You have the heart of Jesus. You have a good heart, and so you gave out of the overflow of your good and kind heart. Verse 15, he says, you Philippians yourselves know that In the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, when we first started this project, Philippians, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. The givers wanted to be in partnership with Paul for the sake of the gospel, getting to others. Just like Jesus was in partnership with his Father and the Spirit for the sake of the gospel, getting to us. This is a Jesus-shaped giving they were participating in. And then in both verses 14 and 16, the, the givers knew Paul had trouble. They knew he had needs, and so they sacrificed themselves for his trouble and his needs. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble, he said. And even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. They did this just as Jesus sacrificed himself for their trouble and needs. And since we're joining Jesus in losing so that others live, perhaps this means that part of the fruit that Paul says increases to our account, and he's not saying some sort of uh, righteousness that saves us that's credited to our account. It's a fruit that increases to our account in the sense of It's the fruit of knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection, participating in his suffering as he gave, and we suffer as we give, becoming like him in his death. What better fruit or return on investment can there be than getting more of Jesus and becoming more like him? That's the fruit, that's the profit that they will gain in their investment. Paul understood that the heart behind the gift of the Philippians was the heart of Jesus. And Paul knew that in order for them to continue to give like Jesus, they would have to continue to receive Jesus. And so he said, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours. He could have said, my God will supply your needs. But he specifically said, my God will pl- supply every need of yours, material, immaterial, spiritual, physical. God will supply all your needs as you supply for the needs of others. He'll do it according to his riches and glory, a- according to the glory of his wealth. He'll do it in Christ Jesus. And the question I have then is, why should I believe that God will do that? Why should I believe that God will supply my needs as I seek to supply the needs of the work of the gospel ministry? What's the collateral? What's the proof that he's got the goods to supply my needs? And the answer to the question is, Because he gave Jesus to meet my greatest need, I can trust him to supply every other need that I have as I supply the needs of those he asked me to. Jesus has supplied my greatest need. He has removed from me the wrath of God. He has received me, reconciled me into relationship with God. I am now his brother, He is my brother. We have the same father. And if he'll do that, then any other need I have, he will meet. Friends, we don't want to make the mistake of thinking that the little gift that was wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger was some little trinket that God picked up for us at CVS as an afterthought. We can't just unwrap this gift, set it aside, and say, oh, well, it's the thought that counts. The baby in the manger only seems unimpressive because we don't remember that the thought behind it does count. The heart behind it is what counts. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him, rest in him, trust him alone, would never perish, but have eternal life. That's the heart behind the gift of Jesus that God promises will supply all our needs. If we don't remember the heart behind the gift of, the, uh, behind the gift of Jesus, we won't think much of the gift. Paul had learned that to live is Christ and to die is to gain more of Christ. He learned to count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And if you and I will receive Jesus as the greatest gift the heart of God can give us, as God's love wrapped in flesh and blood for us, then God promises and Paul stands as a witness that you and I will find that Jesus will actually turn out to be exactly what and everything that we needed. And truly, he will turn out to be what we've wanted all along. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Forgive us for being unimpressed. Forgive us for forgetting the heart behind your gift, that you love us, that you're rich in mercy, that that's that's who you are. You pour out, you pour out your mercy and your love for us and that you have promised that as we pour out our love for the sake of seeing the gospel take root in the lives of others, that you'll supply everything that we've lost everything that we've given, everything that we've sacrificed, small or little, big or gigantic. You'll supply every need we have as we supply for the needs of others. God, help us to remember that and to rejoice in the gift of Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen.